0: Don't be ashamed to learn things that
1: you need to know. Here's explanations, with Dr.
0: Doe. Episode 60 of the Sexplanations podcast. I am here with Jonathan, who I used to play with. Uh, what are we going on? Many years ago, I invited him to talk with me about 69ing. Yeah.
2: Hi. Hi, Lindsay.
0: <laughs> oh, this is wonderful.
2: Great. No, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. What do you think about sixty I'm
2: um, just gonna jump right in. Yeah. No, it's it's good. I I think it's interesting because I really enjoy it, but I know it's complicated because a lot of people struggle with uh, performing oral and receiving it at the same time, and they don't know how. I I hear from girls when I when I propose it, they say that they don't like it. And mostly because they don't, they want to be able to either focus on receiving or giving, and they don't like having to try to manage doing both.
0: Yeah. So I'm wearing this big puffy hoodie thing that people have maybe seen on this explanations YouTube show because I use it. As a vulva, labia, and clitoral hood, and I am getting very hot in here. It's like already.
2: <laughs> Are you just super turned on because we're talking about sixty nine and no, it's your favorite?
0: I'm this. Is, it's exciting. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's my favorite.
2: Yeah, I Did think you, most people would say that it's not their favorite.
0: Is it your favorite?
2: Um, it's not my favorite. I would say that. So I think the trick to enjoying sixty nine for me, and I I think it probably is true for a lot of people, is. That you don't have to be doing both things um, consciously or or necessarily really well when you're doing it. You kind of have to appreciate that the – like so the the thing I was getting at is one thing I do really like is – the feeling of having somebody go down on me and then having a really sexy pussy and ass in my face at the same time. And whether or not I'm doing a very good job of, of, uh, going down on the girl or not, that's really erotic. And I think the, the other is true too. Like sometimes it's really nice to have a girl sitting on your face and be totally focused on her. And she's, uh, kind of intermittently going down on me but just the fact that I'm hard and right in her face and she has her hands on me it just makes for like a a more varied like layered experience and I think that part of it is when it becomes really fun as opposed to you know you say like I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the best blow job that I can give but then now I can't really focus on the fact that I'm also trying to come
0: so you prefer 69 to what to <laughs> Uh, I guess the sixty-eight, just, which is I'll go down on you and you and or you go down on me and I'll owe you one. That's a 68.
2: I see. I see. Or you um, saying they have. I don't know. For yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would say I prefer one or the other. But I think they they're they're both great in their own way, right? Like there's reasons why I would rather just go down on a girl sometimes. But but I don't think that's the – It's kind of like anal sex. So. Would you say like, oh, I prefer anal sex to regular sex? Well, I don't know if you'd say that. But would you also say um, that there's a time that it's really nice to do? Yeah, I think that's true, right? Yeah. That it shouldn't be discounted as something that's necessarily – and I hear that a lot from women that like, oh, I don't like it. And then they, they just don't want to ever do it instead of realizing that there's a place for it where it can actually be really fulfilling and really sexy in it's in its way, right? And like a thing that you can do can be really erotic because – it's different, and because the sensations are different, and because the the you just have like this this more complex layered sensation
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going back into my head when I was in middle school, and we thought that saying sixty nine was hilarious, right. And whenever the teacher would instruct us to go to page sixty nine the whole yeah. class would laugh. And I don't think, we necessarily knew what it meant.
2: Oh, really? So did you what, know? Yeah, yeah. I knew, I mean, when I was younger like that, I, I found out. And then I was also really, I remember when I first became sexually active and I had a girlfriend, it was one of the first things that I wanted to do was 69. And we did it a lot when I was, I was in high school. And it was like a, a very regular part of our, our sex life. But but kind of with that same caveat, you know, it's it almost like we learned how to be Good at it together.
0: You're really tall,
2: right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so I think that can help. It can help. You think
0: it helps?
2: Well, because um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The same thing. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't try to do both at the same time to the same extent, right? You know what I mean? So like, it could help the girl that that when she wants to focus on receiving more, she pushes more back onto me. Um, my dick gets farther away, mm-hmm. and then it's a little bit, a little bit more. Um, then she can, she can switch and it's easier to have those cues. I mean, one of the hardest things about doing 69, I think, is usually when you're going down on a girl, you can be really focused on their physical cues because you're touching them and you can look at them you can hear their breathing. But when you're in 69, you, you can't as do that as well, right? It's like a lot harder to read those cues. So you kind of need to – it's better if you know the person a little bit better and know what they like. And then you have to rely on, I guess, different cues and and – kind of learn how each other, how each other are going to cue when they want some more of something or less of something.
0: I hope that people are hearing you for what you're saying.
2: Yeah. Do you feel like it's too complicated?
0: No, I just feel like it's so beautiful and it's erotic that it's, it's hard to not read as like some sort of romance novel.
2: Oh, I hope they're sure. getting the
0: educational component sure. of Sure.
2: Do you feel like, yeah, that it's turning into a really good uh, romance novel? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it, yeah. I maybe that's how romance novels serve people as well, is that there's an educational component because you understand the nuances of certain behaviors and acts to get a higher quality of pleasure from them.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Nobody talks like you do about sliding back and moving forward and being able to touch in these different areas and yeah. having this really wholesome experience. I think that people talk about it with more... I don't know, a more finite perspective.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I really enjoy oral sex a lot. I mean <laughs> I, I think about it a lot. I put a lot of like time into learning my partner and what they like and kind of I like being really good at it. I like being able to please. And but I think so much of that is like like when you care about the quality of experience a lot and you think about it and then you uh I don't like these are things that I definitely think about a lot when you think about like oh why was that not good why didn't that work and then you learn and get better and do those things again but I think yeah definitely with sixty nine like you you bring up the height difference what I learned is that it helps I mean I think it it helps and also it's like uh, you think
0: the height difference it helped
2: me you know because the first girl that I did sixty nine with was quite a bit shorter than me Um, and it I thought it helped us like. You kind of learn that that feeling of like, oh, I see. Well, um, that's a good way to like take a break as she moves a little bit forward and then that's a little bit more about me. But there's, it's really erotic to be feeling pleasure and then having a visual is very different than just looking down, like looking into a girl's eyes, which can be really erotic too. But, but just like having – Having a girl get really wet while she's going down on you, and seeing the way her pussy like opens and her ass opens—it's really, really hot, right? I mean, like it's really erotic and sexy, and and those feelings combined with receiving oral sex can be really hot without even really worrying about like, well, am I pleasing her? You know what I mean? That and and same, I think for the the girl, like being that exposed and that vulnerable when they're giving oral is an interesting change in the power dynamic too of like what it feels like when you're giving oral versus receiving.
0: So you understand that it's more vulnerable to 69 than to to perform oral or receive oral?
2: Well, I don't even want to say that it's necessarily more vulnerable because like – I think it can feel that way. But I think also, like, don't you feel like as a woman there's a a certain power dynamic that you get when you're sitting on top of a guy's face where you feel more in control, more powerful? And maybe for a woman, if she's on her knees or below the man, she feels more submissive in those senses. And, like, it's just a good way to change what that dynamic feels like because so much of sex, I think, is that mix of – the physical pleasure and then the emotional like um, maybe not adrenaline but, you know, like the 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 senses that you feel emotionally and like combining those together is what creates the really fun sexual experiences. And if they're just one or the other, you don't really feel like it's that that exciting. But when you can combine those things where you feel like maybe you're not used to feeling submissive and you get to feel really submissive, like it feels amazing. It feels like almost overwhelming emotionally and um, you can feel really vulnerable or vice versa. If you're not used to feeling really powerful and you get an opportunity to feel really powerful in a sexual way, that can be really exhilarating.
0: Yes. I, I agree on all accounts. I do think that my power is less from sitting on someone's face And more from being above them and having a sense of control about how good or not good it feels. Yeah. I think sitting on someone's face is uh, a little bit risky because my asshole is right there. Yeah.
2: So you feel really exposed and vulnerable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So if someone's going down on me from the front, then my asshole is kind of tucked away. Yeah. Whereas if I am rotated on their face. Yeah
2: to yeah.
0: 69, then my asshole is right in their eyes.
2: Yeah, which...
1: Which you... <laughs> I like. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. Obviously, it's really sexy. But I think, um, I mean, it's interesting because like that that's kind of the dynamic that I was thinking of is that, so for for some women, I think that feeling of having their ass exposed does feel like it's it's too vulnerable. But then for other women... It's a way for them to feel powerful, you know, to basically be like, I'm this vulnerable and I'm just going to push it onto your face and I don't I don't fucking care. I'm so powerful. Do you know what I mean? That, that Those dynamics are – they're unique to the relationship between the people and who the person is and like what they experience in their day-to-day life. And I think that's one of the cool things about different partners and – and also doing sixty-nine as a alternative to just t- traditional oral sex positions because you do experience a different power dynamic or a different different level of vulnerability and it's hard to say it's it's this all the time or it's that all the time mm-hmm. but it is going to be different and like experiences experiencing those different things with your partner I think is part of what makes sex so fun, right? And like not being in a rut where you do the same thing all the time and like finding these ways where you feel more vulnerable, more powerful, more submissive, more dominant and incorporating that into your sex life is, is what makes it fun and new and fresh every time.
0: Can we talk about another risk? Yeah. Are you afraid at all that by pleasuring someone at the same time that you're receiving, they will get so excited that they will do damage to your genitals? No. <laughs> um
2: no I haven't had that problem. Um I think I mean I I understand that sense. I mean it's 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 like it's really hot to get oral sex from someone who is being pleasured at the same time. I mean you know I've done that with when you have multiple partners, that's really exciting in the same way um or sometimes uh even just having a girl who um is going down on you in a in a traditional position, but might be using a vibrator at the same time. And what what makes I think what makes oral sex really exciting in a lot of ways is um, if your partner is really passionate and just really into it. And and like everything, mm-hmm. you know, we're better and more passionate when we're turned on. You know, you start to get more of your limbic system is engaged, and then you tend to let a lot of your um, insecurities wash away. As you get a little bit more turned on, you become a little bit more in the moment, I guess. Yeah. So um, I think it adds to the experience in general to have the person at that point where they're really turned on versus if you had someone who was giving you a blowjob and they weren't turned on, sometimes they're just not as into it. Even if they you know, are really good at what they're doing, they're they're just not as into it. So I think that part of it is better. And if I could choose, I would always pick to have... The person close to climax really turned on, kind of losing themselves. And I don't think I'm too worried about somebody biting my dick.
0: No, you're not? Mm-mm. Okay. I, I mean, people talk all the time about like having to hold people's hips down so that they don't get busted in the lip because their pelvic thrusts happening. That's and
2: funny. Yeah, I actually um, went down on somebody right after I got a wisdom tooth removed about a year oh, ago.
1: Okay. And
2: uh, the girl. Clamped down on my face really hard with her, her legs when she was coming and pain was ridiculous. It was so bad and I had to stop and pin her down. And she you know was like, "What is wrong with you?" And I was just like, you know, tried <laughs> to explain like, "Yeah, that, that really hurt, <laughs> really <laughs> hurt." Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's some of that right where you can feel vulnerable. But I don't know. Like, are you a person that like when you come you clench your teeth or like your mouth closes?
0: No, yeah, mouth open,
2: yeah, that's how that's what I say. Most people are that way, right? Like, as they get more turned on, they tend to open in their face, like, that's that's typical,
0: yeah. But there's movement in the mouth, and yeah. so if
2: but like a little bit of teeth on your dick, it's not that bad, okay? Yeah, like, in some ways, it can be sexy. I'm uh I shouldn't say this on the podcast but I'm going to I am thick so it tends to be teeth are involved all the time anyway
0: oh so then the raking is just
2: like it's part it's part of getting a blow job. Oh. yeah
0: that sounds unfortunate <laughs> but I'm glad that well it kind of depends
2: it kind of depends yeah I mean I, I think I think it can it can be fine you know like it, it obviously there's a level where you like this isn't working but yeah it can be okay
0: now you now I'm worried now I'm like oh, Jonathan, did I rake you? (laughs) That would be a long time to go back in your brain.
2: No, actually, you know, what I do remember about the time that we were together, though, is um, when at that point, I think you were the first person that made me orgasm from strictly oral sex that I hadn't before. You're welcome. Yeah. And the great thing about it, though, is I learned things about that that I've been able to to impart on future partners, so that I, I'm able to all the time now. But where you tell
0: them to do a Dr. Doe style, or <laughs> well,
2: I don't, I don't refer to it as Dr. Doe style, but, um, but yeah, and then also kind of like maybe even like realizing like, oh yeah, a little bit more of that, I like that um, versus you know something else that might be different.
0: Are you saying that you're encouraging them to do it differently, or the way that you? are in your body and how you move with them.
2: No, the, encourage them. Okay. I mean, in that case, it's technique, like in in the way I'm describing this anyway, it's more about mm-hmm. technique. Yeah.
0: Do you like any other positions for oral sex?
2: I like all the positions for <laughs> oral sex.
0: Have you seen this Explanations YouTube video where I go down on a giant squid?
2: No, no, I have not, but I will definitely that sounds wonderful.
0: We did a fun montage. So on one of the DIY blog someplace there is a squid that I think is nine feet long that you can make a giant plushie squid and I asked my mother to make one. Uh,
2: so not a real squid.
0: Not a not a real Oh mm. Yeah. So
2: yeah. so in this sense when you're going down on the squid mm-hmm. is the the are you Wait, is using this the, the plushy top or the, the plushie.
0: Yes, this is the plushie.
2: Yeah is the t- is the top the clitoris? Or like how are you how are you or are you just opening up all eight legs and then getting inside? Like what are you doing?
0: So my understanding of squid anatomy is that one of the what we would think is a testicle is tentacle. Or tentacle. <laughs> That's funny. Is actually a penis. Okay. I think. Uh I'm sure someone will let us know that I'm right. wrong. I didn't go for that. So it wasn't like um tentacle penis in mouth. It was uh, where the head meets the tentacles, I treated more as a vulva. Mm-hmm. And so I used that part to match up with my face and or crotch. I see. Well, I think they were all 69ing positions. Right. And then I...
2: how that's You can't 69 with a squid. Why? Or how about maybe you can't not 69 with a squid because every way you turn it...
0: Yeah. It's the same. head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I used the eyeball region. I see. As...
2: So, yeah. Well, so tell me about your 69 experience. What do you like and not like about it? And what are the things that you've experienced that have made it better or worse or work and not work?
0: Okay. So definitely the anus and the face thing.
2: Is a thing that you don't like.
0: Is the thing that I don't like. Yeah. Um, so
2: yeah. do you feel that way when you're having sex doggy style or even like just having a guy go down on you from behind? Is that something that you're uncomfortable with?
0: No. Not as. Huh. And, and same with like, um, so analingus yeah. is something that I don't practice very often um, because germs are a thing that I try to avoid, but I, I'm not opposed to it. And even then, that is more comfortable to me than just like backing my asshole up into someone's face. It just, it's, it's tricky for me. That doesn't mean I don't do it. It's just tricky. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely the length of abdomen is a tricky part of 69ing because you're either getting choked by someone's genitals, not close enough to the clitoris, you're mm-hmm. you know, it's that differentiation of like somebody having to arch up or arch back or move away. Um, it's fun. It's fun to try yeah. and figure out, but it's definitely tricky.
2: And I, I think some of the key like that I would I would just as an advice giver, is to not feel like you have to be doing both well at the same time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's okay to be... Like, I would never mind if if, if you were in 69 and the girl um, was maybe just like laying on my cock with her face, and or it was like in her mouth, but she wasn't really doing anything because she was just really into what she was feeling. Mm-hmm. That's really erotic in its own sense. And then Similarly, like being in a position where maybe you can't quite get to her clit because she's too far forward, but at the same time, you just think, well, the visual as you're getting oral sex is this is really erotic, and um, you know what I'm doing with my hands and just spreading her and touching her and like just you know not feeling you have to be doing both well for it to be successful.
0: I like the permission that you're giving. It's good because I think people need to hear that, and I think. That one of the other downsides of 69ing, and I will get to the benefits of it, it's not all bad, is that maybe if the focus is on one part and doing it well, the other person can't concentrate on their part. Yeah, yeah. So if you definitely. take turns, you're more likely to get better results. Because you said earlier that if you were pleasuring, I think you said if somebody's going down on you while they're being pleasured, it's really exciting because they're super turned on and they're maybe performing with more enthusiasm. But one of the experiences that I've had is that if I'm going down on someone and they're kind of blissing out, then they are not performing as well yeah, because yeah. they're not able to focus.
2: But I think I think there is this like – when I'm in 69, it's I've never had simultaneous orgasm with my partner in 69. And I mean I don't know if that's what people are trying to achieve. I think that is very difficult to I achieve. I think so too. Yeah. and But I think um, if you stop thinking of it that way – is like what you're – that's what you're trying to do, then it becomes really fun and sexy because you don't really – and I mean that's not even for just exclusive to 69. I think like that's really good with sex in general is if you stop being really goal-oriented and you start being really experience-oriented, the the levels of pleasure go much higher. If you're not worried about – finishing too fast because you want to make sure she can finish and you say, well, it's fine. I'll go down on her after, you know, and not feel like you have those barriers. Then all of a sudden, the experience can be a whole lot more fun. And I think definitely with 69, if you're you're trying to have simultaneous orgasm, I think you're setting a really high bar for what's going to be fun. And if you realize that that's not what you're trying to achieve, then it can just be really fun and enjoyable.
0: Well, to be fair, if you're also playing with somebody assigned female at birth – it's a high thing to ask for them to orgasm. Period, let alone oral and while focusing on someone else's body.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's true, and I think um,
0: not. A, I guess not a lot to ask, but it's not right um, as easy to do for a lot of people.
2: Well, and especially like you know, a lot of women that I know have trouble orgasming in certain positions just mm-hmm. because you know they're they're more engaged physically and like they orgasm easier when they're more relaxed on their back you know just just physically not not relaxed in an emotional sense so i think there's some of that too and i mean understanding what what your partner needs to orgasm is great but it doesn't mean that you should restrict all your activities to the thing that gets them to yeah. orgasm right True. like like you should experience all of those things together and you know 69 can be such a great foreplay if it's if it's not if it's not like the goal to to have simultaneous orgasm you know Mm -hmm. I think it can be such a fun way to build into something else can just be like I mean, I also really like it when it's spontaneous. Like at times where laying on a bed and girls going down on you, and she just decides, like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to straddle <laughs> your face," and then it, like that's really erotic because you're not expecting it, and it changes the power dynamic, and all of a sudden you're doing something different, and it, it's pretty, it's gonna be really sexual, very nice.
1: Yay!
0: What about uh, genitals that are the same? So a lot of our conversation has been
2: yeah about male female cis hetero. Right. Um, so I've never 69 with another guy. I imagine that would be hard and different. I mean, just the, the angle of mouth penetration would be difficult. But I'm sure you have some listeners that really do enjoy that. Um, maybe, you know, one thing I've seen is uh, 69, but both partners are laying on their side, mm. which seems like that would be better if, you, if both partners had cocks. Right, that it would be. Mm -hmm. Am I swearing too much for
1: this?
2: (laughs) I I wasn't sure what the rules were, Um, but that might be a better way to to be able. But you know what? I guess in in a very similar sense, um, it's probably the same in that trying to have um, both acts happening well simultaneously, like if you can get beyond that being a goal, and you know. Like I'm sure it's incredibly sexy to receive oral sex while you have a big dick like right in your face or in your mouth even if you're not really performing, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that that can just change the power dynamics and change the the way – you can add something erotic to what might be an experience you've had a lot just because the position's different, the visuals are different, smells are different.
0: Oh, yeah. You don't have to put anything – in for it to be 69ing. It right. can just be yeah. mouth on crotch, crotch on mouth. Like humming is something that is coming right. to mind where you you like just pressing my face against someone's genitals and creating vibrations Yeah, yeah. or smelling. Or, uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's like a great way to think about oral sex in general too is like I think a lot of times people can get really caught up on like this is the thing I do to bring my partner to orgasm instead of... Just feeling good about the sexuality of having your face on or around someone's genitals. And it can be humming and kissing and licking or even just pressure. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think it's really erotic to have a girl's pussy just up on my face, you know, and just not even be doing anything.
1: So
0: you're touching your cheek right now.
2: Yeah. They like can't see right that. But yeah.
0: Not in your mouth, but on your cheek. Yeah, exactly.
2: Very sexy. And I think the same with a guy, like having a, a dick on my face, like mm-hmm. just on it without penetrating, very erotic, very sexy.
0: Yeah, smells.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, but I think that, that way of thinking about oral sex is like not a means to an end, but like an experience and like enjoying those things and finding ways that like to be turned on by the experience without being like, like one thing I think about is I think a lot of times when, when we perform oral sex, we're too focused on, the person that you're, you're uh, that you're performing on, or that's receiving, mm-hmm. and I mean, it sounds silly, right? Because I think a lot of times you're you're taught to be unselfish and try to think about the other person, but sometimes what what you need to give them that sense of eroticism is to be turned on yourself and just ah. to be into it, right? And I think that that really comes across when you just like lose yourself in finding things that are sexy about having your mouth on another person that can really translate into making the other person feel incredibly turned on and sexual.
0: I love that. It's so good. Are you going to write a book?
2: No, you're writing a book. Are you going to
0: teach a class?
2: On oral sex? Yeah. Yeah. And also we can both write books. I wonder if we should do – I was thinking like if I could set up – like you know how in Costa Rica they have a yoga intensive? Mm -hmm. If you could – if I could like go to Costa Rica and then have like an oral sex intensive – where people come down there and we just eat sushi or uh, ceviche and surf and do yoga, but then also we've got some really dedicated class time for two weeks on oral sex.
0: And it needs to be in Costa Rica?
2: Yeah, I think so. Really? <laughs> well, isn't that the place to do intensives? I think I, – I mean, I'm being sarcastic. Montana. Yeah, that might be a good point. I do think forcing people to leave their space to, to do some – some education. I mean, that's kind of what I've learned from those yoga intensives is that it forces people to be more open to learning because they have a lot of the things that are their routines and their structure that are broken down. So it is better. I mean, I don't know if it is for oral sex, which is something that, <laughs> you know, but I think it is better just in general for education if you can do that, um, like make a vacation out of it.
0: I went to Costa Rica last summer and I did and like it. did an it, oral
2: sex intensive?
0: I did not. I um, wish I had. I missed out. Because instead I just uh, – I struggled a lot with the lack of addresses.
2: Yeah. Or
0: the, the format of the addresses I should say. It's
2: basically just like if you tried to put a community loosely in the Bob Marshall wilderness and the roads and trails were the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I know. It's hard. It's hard to get around. It takes a long time. Yeah. I was, I was there a little while ago as well. I really liked it.
0: For yoga intensive?
2: No. But I did see a lot of yoga intensives.
0: Well, if you want to do one here or someplace that is not Costa Rica so that people could actually find the location, that would be great.
2: So how would you set one of those up, though? So I'm, I'm just kind of like running through my head. Would we have like maybe we could get like um, 20 really young, attractive guys and then they have to sit there naked and we have like a, girls that are like, OK, so you're going to practice on this guy.
0: Oh, surrogates.
2: Yeah. Would we do it that way?
0: um because you would want them to have immediate feedback right like they well, couldn't do it on a a phallus and all i mean also not just for ladies this is not just for ladies sure wait this is a blowjob workshop
2: i don't know you're the one who's inventing it i'm just i'm just the employee
0: so this no this originally came up because amy was on the podcast amy who i tried to flirt with and um lady date
2: yeah i heard i listened
0: you did yeah ah uh, Ouch! And um, she was talking about how she would like to teach courses to men about how to please women, right? And then right. I think you and I have talked about that in various conversations yeah. about how you have things that you could teach people as well about <laughs> sexuality and sensuality.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I think I mean I think one of the hard things is like so when you talk about oral sex and and talk and like you know um, helping people get better at it. Uh, a lot of what you're, in, so much of it is just having a lot more self confidence, and how do you teach that in a way? Like, I mean, you, you can give people techniques, and that's you know, and then if they go home and they try the technique with their partner, maybe their partners aren't ready for it, then they get negative feedback, and then mm-hmm. that makes their self confidence in their techniques go a lot lower. So it's kind of a hard thing to do, and I mean, a lot of what you're trying to teach someone to do is to um, like learn some new techniques, and then just go enjoy yourself. Like when you go down on a guy, like go enjoy yourself. And I think it would be great if you had someone that they could practice on. So you can be like, yeah, just go, just go enjoy yourself and um, experiment and tell me what you liked and what you didn't like and what worked for you. Like, don't even worry about the, the guy in this case. Like, what did you like doing? And try to build that sense of self-confidence up because I think, you know, that's, that's definitely the place where, I've found people to get a lot better oral sex is after I've had a partner for a, a certain amount of time and they build some some comfortability in what they're doing and they know what I like, they become really enthusiastic about it. They want to do it. You know, you've, I've had uh, people in my life who say, oh, I, I don't give blowjobs. It's like not what I do. I don't want to do it. And then six, eight months later, they – that's what they're asking me. Like, can I give you a blowjob? I want to suck your dick right now. And the change is mostly – it's all about just how they feel about themselves doing it, you know?
1: Aww. So that's
2: what I think you want to impart on a lot of these people that are looking for help is how do you help them be more confident in what they're doing? And But I don't know. I don't know if you can do that just by be saying, like, here's something you probably – like, Like one thing I think is a really a good one for everyone to learn is that when you're giving a blowjob – Um, Sometimes women don't try to keep their lips together. Mm -hmm. And if you can mimic the feeling of penetration, that feels really good, right? I mean, that feels really good. So that's a great technique. But for some people, it might not work for them. So maybe they have a partner who's not ready for that. Um, Or maybe when they do it, they're too mechanical, so it's kind of different. And a lot of it is like if you can have someone who who likes to do the Dr. Doe method um, (laughs) but with a lot of confidence – then I think uh, that's when it becomes really good, right? It's like all that confidence and just like someone who's willing to just be themselves and lose themselves into it. It's great.
0: Okay. Well, if you want to set up a workshop or I can set up a workshop and you and Amy can coach. Okay. Be fun.
2: Yeah. No, I think it sounds fun. I think all sounds genders, really fun.
0: all bodies, yeah. all oral.
2: Yeah, it does sound fun. Maybe I should teach the special analingus workshop.
0: That would be great. It's
2: really easy. It's, like, much less difficult. No orgasms are really, like, part of the thing. No? Well, do you know anyone that would orgasm from strictly analingus?
0: Oh, my gosh. Jonathan, I orgasm from everything right now. Really? Yes.
2: With – I mean, so you would orgasm from analingus, no clit stimulation? Yes. That's unbelievable. I
0: have – so if I have sex with my partner and then – we're just lying side by side and then maybe talking about what happened. I will come again.
2: <laughs> well, that's amazing. Good for you. That's why you're the doctor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes you're operating it's good at for a me. higher
2: level than the rest of us.
0: <laughs> Other times, that's a really intense experience to have spontaneously.
2: The spontaneous orgasm or the conversation?
0: The orgasm.
2: Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I imagine it would feel really cool and. And just like almost overwhelming sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I imagine that's amazing.
0: Yeah. So analingus i People I'm, I'm not, from lots I'm not of sexy things.
2: enough to talk to a girl and make her come, but I, I aspire to be that hot someday.
0: Do you think it's you though? Don't you think that it's in part the person you're playing with?
2: I mean, I think, yeah, definitely. But I love the idea of your partner just being like such a – smoldering person that like he can say words and make women come. I just like, "Oh, <laughs> amazing." Like in my head, that sounds like the coolest person ever and that's who I aspire to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would love for the two of you to play together. That would be mm, dreamy. Um, no, but I don't think that it's that it's all that, right? I don't think we give someone orgasms so much as they are open to receiving them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think to a
0: degree, right? Like,
2: yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, and I think, you know, some of that of giving someone an orgasm is just getting them in a place like emotionally and physically that they're ready to have one, right? Like mm-hmm. um, having someone feel relaxed and comfortable and trusting you and also feeling vulnerable or whatever that mix is for them that turns them on in the moment. And I mean, that's what makes it so erotic when you make another person come is like being able to. Find that space where they feel good with you even though they're, they are – whether they feel it or not, they are going to be in a very vulnerable position. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's really special when it happens for sure.
0: What's going around in my brain is that I'm thinking about people who have experienced sexual violence and they have the physiological response of orgasm but might not actually be open to the, the experience of that in a romantic or mm-hmm. sexual way – so I think it's a mix of both, that that physiologically something could be happening to you that elicits an orgasm, but also your body might have a say in whether or not you receive
2: that yeah. energy from another person. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's true.
0: So um, can we take a break real quick and do a shout out to the people on Patreon? Yes. Yes, okay. On Patreon.com slash podcast. Ben, Donna, the Millers, and Paul have contributed to this show, in addition to many other people. But I like giving them a shout out because they have made an an extra generous investment into this time that we have.
2: Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Thank you to I, I couldn't remember all the names that you said, but if ben, I get it, Ben, Donna, the Millers, and again. Paul. Yeah, wonderful.
0: Yeah, they're really special. I tried to reflect a little bit this week about why I do the podcast, and I think that. um Part of it is documenting conversations with people I care about. Like, this is fun for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then part of it is modeling conversations about sexuality that we don't really see, right? People don't talk about it unless they're going to have sex with that person. And even then, there's not a lot of dialogue, um, typically. We don't do it in public very often. Um, There might be some sex education with students, teachers, students and students talking to each other about sexuality. But other than that, I don't think we have a lot of models for two people sitting across from each other on separate couches saying, hey, oh. what do you like and not like about 69ing?
2: Yeah. No, I think you're right. I, you know, it's interesting. I um, was listening to this other podcast about sex uh, just a few days ago. Ooh, which one? Um, do you listen to the Sex with Emily podcast?
0: I don't listen to podcasts.
2: Oh, well, it's good. I've heard. Um, it's I've good. I've heard it's amazing. Um, but one of the things they were talking about in that podcast was something similar is like how dialogue in certain circles about sex changes the conversations that happen on the outskirts of those. Mm-hmm. And and you do tend to have, I mean, they were specifically talking about how in the early 2000s in New York, um, anal sex was very taboo. And then Tristan Taramino released those books and some, yeah. and some films about anal sex and. it Almost overnight, it became part of uh, the conversation of a group of intellectual people in New York and then became commonplace to start talking about anal sex, which would used to be something that they said just it just didn't happen, right? Like you never were somewhere and people were talking about anal sex. And I think there is a certain level of confidence that you get from hearing other people talk about sex in terms that maybe you'd be afraid to use and things that you'd be afraid to try but when you hear people talking about them, and it normalizes that behavior, which um, can be bad for some things, but I think for sex, it's very positive to help people feel more normal about things that they might be interested in trying, or things that can make them feel more fulfilled in their sex life.
0: Hopefully, we're we are one of those catalysts.
2: Yeah, I hope so too. I think I think so. I I, I enjoy that about your podcast, and also the uh, Sex explanations YouTube video. I think does a really good job of that too for a lot of different people it just allows them to think and um, hear terms related to sex and develop a level of comfortability
0: oh thank you that's really flattering that, that i'll take that i'll take that compliment <laughs> um want to do kegels Main
1: squeeze, squeeze it good. Uh, uh.
2: yeah i love doing kegels you do yes <laughs> no one ever
1: on yeah. the show.
2: Really? I, I like to do them when I'm driving. Mm-hmm. It's just a great way to pass the time. Sometimes when like I, um, this is kind of sex related, but not. But one thing I've been learning about is uh, sometimes when you're at work and you get distracted and you just like keep looking at your phone and then you keep like jumping onto different projects at the same time and you feel really scattered. One thing that uh, is good advice is to try to do nothing. Like you know, you're trying to do five things at once to be more productive and then you feel like you're not being very productive. Well, mm-hmm. Try to just sit there for a minute and do nothing. And a good way to do nothing is to actually do kegels.
0: Is <laughs> <laughs> to do something.
2: Yeah. But it, but it's nice to put everything out. Just drop everything. Don't try to be productive and don't try to be on a hundred different things at once and just slow down. Do some kegels. And then it's kind of like a reset and then like, okay, I'm going to go back to this project. I'm going to put these other things to the side. And it allows me to – like get back into a routine that's more productive.
0: Yeah, you're taking a deep breath with your crotch.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So do you have a way that you do them? you want to instruct us and guide us?
2: Um, well, I don't know if I want to instruct and guide, but I can tell you the the different ways that I do them. Yes, please. So the most generic way that I do them is try to do a slow, controlled contraction of the muscle until it's completely as tight as I can get it and then let it out and then do slow instead of just the the repetitive one, which I do as well, you know, just kind of like a, if you're, I'm showing you my fist as you're clenching, mm-hmm. just like that, you know, I definitely do those, but I like the one where it's, it's more of a slow controlled feeling. Just We're be- all doing this right now. <laughs> okay.
1: well,
2: I hope It's so. hard not to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I am for sure as you're thinking about it, but I like that way of doing them more, um, I feel like that kind of uh, control of the floor or control of that group of muscles, is it's really nice. It, like, heightens my, um, like, erotic energy for mm-hmm. the day. You know, it's like you kind of become aware of that. You're getting blood flow into that area. And, I mean, when I do exercise in general, I like doing things that are slow and controlled as opposed to just repping something out really fast. So mm-hmm. I think that's a nice way to do kegels as well.
0: Feels like drawing the Earth's energy into my vagina.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done? I, one thing I think is interesting I haven't had before. Do you ever do Kegels when someone's inside you?
0: Yeah, but I, I guess I don't call them Kegels in the moment.
2: Sure, it's just part just of like, what you're doing. Sexually. Oh, I'm just just squeezing, squeezing you, you, giving or you a hug,
0: pushing you out, or
2: yeah, right, yeah. right,
0: drawing you in, yeah, gripping, clenching.
2: Do you, do you find in your conversations with people that they're becoming more common and something that happens more often? Because I, I feel like – and it could have just been that I was younger. But like when I was in college, it's when I first became aware of kegels and started doing them. And I feel like not very many people were aware of them or doing them. And now I tend to meet a lot, mostly women, that um, are very aware of them and at least do them intermittently if not regularly.
0: I don't know what the world was like before us. Right. But I do think that, at least among my friends, yeah, we're yeah. talking about them a lot more, but we're also trying to prevent incontinence. None of us want to be yeah, peeing ourselves. Right. And as we age, we have to take more active roles in preventative care.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then
0: the same thing goes with childbirth. I think there was a, a time period where tight, right, like now people say it's lit or – We said for a while, like, that's sick. But there was a time when tight tight. was the word. You don't
2: still say that. I still say that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know. But it was emphasized as something of value. And so I think during that time, people would do more kegels or there was more talk of like, oh, my gosh, if I have a child. Sure. Childbirth is going to become more comfortable if I'm doing these in advance and then my vagina will restore its natural elasticity more if I'm doing Kegels throughout yeah.
2: the process. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, as you're describing that, do you think um, – I, I like to, at least in my head, imagine that you have your finger on the pulse of the sexuality of like everyone in in the world. But um, do you think that uh, <laughs> the perception around having feelings tight during sex, like, like uh, being in someone who's tight either vagina or anally, that that's not the same as it used to, that it like used to be more important than it is now? Or do you think that once that vernacular became important, that people just became more aware and they still are that way now?
0: I I don't know. I think, I don't think that people care about tight like they did during that one time frame. I think now it's about like, do you have this large butt that I could grab?
2: Yeah, sure. Um.
0: And anal, I think, is definitely more popular than it used to be. Yeah. I think as we stop circumcising babies, um, we will see that the use of foreskin becomes more popular. So it's less important how narrow the vaginal opening is because the foreskin creates
2: the lubrication, the the movement anyway. This is really off topic. Do you think, though, that like I became aware at at some point, you know, there's the, the idea that um, AIDS is more prevalent in Africa and you first you're like, that's so racist that people say that. But then what you learn is that it is actually just more prevalent in societies that don't practice circumcision because there tends to be a little bit more tearing of the foreskin or of the vaginal tissue and that most of the time HIV is passed through blood, um, blood-semen interaction. So do you think that not having circumcision might be make people of higher risk or spread more STDs?
0: I don't think this is off topic. Um, I mean, unless we're talking about 69ing still. Right. I don't think that it's um, because of circumcision that I – and that's a really tricky, Mm. much bigger conversation. I think it's more a lack of access to health care and health education and sex education Mm -hmm. so that if you don't have that, if you're not being taught how HIV is spread, then it's more difficult to prevent it. Right. I think I think it's more about access than it is about circumcision. And actually, I think that leaving the foreskin in place is one of the best things that you can do for a person assigned male birth sexuality because that is so much of their penis that you're
2: yeah, leaving in it's place. True. You know what? I I it's been a while, but I was thinking about this. Is I kind of like the idea of doing circumcision but leaving more foreskin. Do you know what I mean? Like um
1: <laughs> like, what
0: is happening here? Like,
2: like I mean, I'm just thinking about my own penis is I tend – I do tend to have more foreskin, I think, than most circumcised people. But I'm, I'm still circumcised. And, and that's nice. Like it makes masturbation easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps in a lot of senses. But it kind of makes me think like, oh, well, maybe circumcision is this thing that isn't like all or not. Do you know what I mean? That – like the way that you circumcise them and how much foreskin you decide to, to remove can be like conscious decisions or something that people decide like, oh, this is a better, better amount for me than – or for my kids than, than what, what might be typical. Have you thought about that before? I, I witnessed a circumcision and um, at the time I was not nearly as sophisticated as I am now. Now I kind of wish I could go back and be like, oh, OK. So wait, what if we don't like pull some of that back out? Like what what would that be like? And the way that it you decide how much foreskin is left.
0: I hear what you're saying. Um, I have been working on an episode for Sexplanation's YouTube channel about how to make a foreskin, like a DIY for people who are interested in restoring it, because there's so many benefits to having one. Yeah. And one thing that I keep coming across is that it doesn't matter how much pulling stretching etc you do or even skin replacement you cannot recreate i can't remember the the pronoun for it but it's a type of ridge that is right at the the entry to the foreskin that keeps it kind of taut on the glands of the penis so that things don't get in there it stays cleaner and more protected and that so if you even cut off half a centimeter of an infant foreskin you're still removing that ridge
2: yeah okay I see what you're saying.
0: We can talk about foreskin all day if you want. No,
2: I like I like the idea of it. I mean, I think I think about that concept and, you know, I think I don't quite agree with you about if we back up to the discussion of if foreskin leads to more STD spread or not. I kind of think it does. I'll, I know you're a doctor and you know more about <laughs> this. You study it more than me, so I feel really ridiculous saying no, that. No, no, no. But – um I think what what I'm thinking about when I say that is, you're obviously right. Like, if people use proper protection and they they understand how HIV is spread, and and they have more awareness, that is really the way that you can you can um, eliminate the spread of STDs. But what I'm thinking in a, in another sense is that um, in these cultures and societies that that have, unfortunately, a lot less access to that education, a lot less sophistication and openness about sexual health, that circumcision is a way to give them a head start and put them in a position where those diseases aren't spread as easily. Just because I think when you have circumcised penises, you tend to have less opportunity for tearing and less blood is the best way to... Well, shy of actually using protection like you're supposed to
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, is, a, is a good way to reduce the risk of STDs. Oh,
0: my gosh. I just want to talk to you for hours because I, you are such an intelligent person and you're also really driven by sexual pleasure. I would say if you had a power source, right, You're you're an athlete and a business owner and a scientist. You're all of these things, but I think – your core, you are just this ball of sexual energy that wants to be an expert. And so I think that this conversation could do a lot for people. I can't talk to you for three hours now. But what we could do is live stream our conversation at some point because there are so many simple things that I can teach you to give you a different perspective on it, right? Like sure. In actuality, foreskin reduces a ton of friction and makes it less likely for the receptive partner yeah, to bleed. Or that. if you're cutting a person's dick, you're making them all sorts of susceptible to, to infection disease. because yeah. right. So please, please come back and talk to me. Please.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a great topic. And I guess as a the reason that I think about that in general is that I like the idea. I think um, having more foreskin or more intact foreskin—I guess "intact" is not the right word—but having more foreskin does increase. I mean, it makes masturbation easier as a guy, and I think it also helps with penetration a lot. You know that you yes. have basically this sleeve that can act as lubrication and it can work really well. So I'm on the same page as far as that. Maybe I just like the idea of having like, like, like oh. Um, you know, I, I love how multi-ethnic the world is getting now, where you meet people that are not Hispanic or Black or White, but they are just a confluence of all mm-hmm. of the different culture. And I love the idea of someone not being circumcised or not, mm-hmm. and instead there's like this range of the way oh, penises yeah, yeah. are and the way that how much foreskin somebody has and being variant and different.
0: That I happens think, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I haven't seen as many dicks as you. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the case. <laughs> okay, we have one more thing to do. Uh give the audience extra credit.
2: Now you can practice
1: at home. Know, gives you credit.
2: Oh, so I have to give them something mm-hmm. to And do me, at home. and you. Yeah. I should have planned this ahead of time, but let me think really quickly. Okay, I think what the audience should do is Find a time in the next week or two to perform oral sex on someone, but think about giving yourself pleasure as you're performing. So do what you want to do. Make it about you and really enjoy what you're doing. Don't don't do it for the other person and just see what it feels like to be passionate and enjoy it for for what you get out of it. And just as a way to try it is something different than what you do
0: normally. Jonathan, you're so privileged in this situation because you're like, oh, yeah, you just find someone and <laughs> to go down on them. Right, right. And the audience is like, that's uh, the problem. problem one. <laughs> yeah,
2: maybe that's not fair. Maybe well,
0: anything that you're passionate about or some anything that you're doing, express your passion in it and see how the other person receives it. So it doesn't have to be sexual, but it could be something like receiving a coffee.
2: Receive it with a ton of pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> you're super into it. Maybe, maybe I think another way to think of it is if you make a coffee for someone else, mm-hmm. think about like making it for how much you enjoy it. And like, oh,
0: that's perfect. You know,
2: yeah. yeah, be, do the work for the sake that you're doing. I actually think that's a good, almost unrelated thing is I, I think that one thing we do a lot of, I've been thinking about this myself professionally, is. Try too hard to do your job the way that you think everybody else wants it from you, and like now because of um, the way we interact with with customer bases and social media, we like we listen to our customers too much. Sometimes I think people need to be the barista that makes coffee the way you want to make it, and don't listen to the way other people are because that variation in the world <laughs> about like who no. makes coffee a certain way. So like yeah, make something. And just make it for your own benefit and don't make it for the person that you're actually making it for.
0: That's beautiful. And also don't get fired from your job.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Don't get fired. That's a great, great way to end any podcast. Don't get fired.
0: (laughs) Well, I also want to thank you for being on the show.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I I really enjoyed it.
0: Good. Um, I enjoyed it as well. And I look forward to future conversations, which we get to have anyway, but maybe we'll share them with other people. Thank you also to Callie from Cinema Studios to Complexly and Count Boogie for the jingles and Cora and Parl, I'm Still Learning.